on track. The only thing matters is a win. That's it. However, whatever, whatever it takes. Let's go, man. Let's win on three. One, two, three. Win. Live. In the entertainment capital of the world. Vikings blitz. Manning got it off the rare deep throw. And maybe that's why they don't do it. Intercepted by Xavier Rhodes. It's the T.C. Martin Show. They're not used to this damn heat. They're over there trying to set up damn pits over there on the sideline. Hey, it's Ron. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Okay, well, I ain't going to worry about you no more. 300 yards, four touchdowns. <laughs> It's so sweet when you walk off the field knowing you gave everything you got. Team win tonight. The doctor is now in. How you like me now? 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 Hour number two on this football Friday live from the Westgate Las Vegas, the world famous Superbook, non-smoking, beautiful surroundings, the largest sports book in the entire world. T.C. Martin along with Marco D'Angelo. I want to thank John Murray, the executive director of the Sportsbook, for joining us last hour. And if you miss any part of the show or any of the shows, remember, we're here Monday through Friday, 2 to 4 p.m., streaming live, tcmartinshow.com, coast to coast, border to border, wherever you are, you can catch it there. And go to the website at tcmartinshow.com to check all that out. And wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Apple, Spotify, wherever, you can find us there, and again, uh, you can link you through the, all that through the website, too. So our best bets, which are going to come up here at the bottom of the hour, our entire crew, myself, Marco D'Angelo, Scott Spritzer, Trevor Maddich, Gilby the intern. He'll be rolling by here a little bit later as well, too. So uh, all that up on the website. And again, the past shows, the interviews, the classic interviews, the current interviews. And uh, check out on the homepage... Our featured interview this week is uh, Steve Tasker, the former Buffalo Bill, does a great job. Um, used to work with CBS, now uh, working with the Buffalo Bills on their broadcast. And uh, Steve Tasker, believing, hey, Buffalo is going to bounce back big time, uh, felt like it was a loss last week. So he's there in Buffalo. DeMar Hamlin, a very good opportunity that DeMar Hamlin could be at the game. And uh, Steve Tasker was talking to us the other day that DeMar had been by the facility the last three days. And uh, and that's just uh, great motivation and just, you know, great morale for the Buffalo Bills right now. Absolutely. Not to make light of it, but, you know, there was a guy that, you know, was laying on the field with no, you know, they had to resuscitate him. Uh, and he wants to be there with his team. And then there's Lamar Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah. Right. Right. You won't let that go with Lamar no, Jackson. No, huh? I, I uh, trust me. I've uh, I've lost I lost some respect for him. Yeah. Not the injury part. The not being on the sidelines. Yeah, I understand. And to hear uh, John Harbaugh talk the other day, that he goes, "Hey, no, we're, we're behind Lamar. We want him to sign here. Uh, we want to make this work." I mean, it sounded like they got rid of. Greg Roman, their offensive coordinator, uh, because of Lamar Jackson. And remember, Lamar Jackson had his best season four years ago when Greg Roman first came there in 2018-2019. And uh, Baltimore was the number one offense in football. But you look at how they have regressed in Roman's you know, you know, last three seasons there. Not pretty at all. So he gets fired. We talked about... Uh, Byron Leftwich, the offensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Todd Bull stays. Leftwich goes. So four seasons there as well. He was also the chief play caller. Um, that team in Tampa Bay underperformed, averaging only 18 points per contest. And when you look at Baltimore, uh, they were number one, like I said, in 2019. Their run game was number one since 2019. And their offense has declined each and every year. So... This year, the Baltimore Ravens averaged 21 points per contest, 19th in the NFL. So, again, yeah, 10 uh, offensive coordinator openings, five head coach openings in the National Football League right now. I, you want to sign up? <laughs> it's going to be interesting. If My fear, if they find a way to mend the fences, so to speak, with uh, Lamar, there's still got to be... Some guys in that locker room that got to feel like you left, you know, you yeah. left us. You, 
You know, I agree with you. I, your I quarterback, you're supposed to, as a you know, and that's a question for Jay. That's your leader. You want you'll follow him into a burning building. How many people right now would follow him into a you know go through you know bust through a wall with him? Um, you weren't there. You yep. should have been there. Being another set of eyes for you know Huntley and you know and help him with what he's seeing from the sidelines. That's what a team player is. That's what your leader does, and he didn't do that. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to uh, dive into each and every game here, game by game. The four games of the divisional round coming up here. Our best bet segment comes at the bottom of this hour. Trevor Maddich will be joining us like he normally does here. Uh, as we uh, give you our three best NFL plays. Three out of the four games. All right. We will give you our best bets coming up at the bottom of the hour. Uh, Right now, I want to talk a little bit about the potential AFC championship game with Buffalo and Kansas City. Now, as we know, that was uh, turned into a a big question mark when three weeks ago the Buffalo-Cincinnati game uh, was postponed. They did not make it up. Uh, of course, because of uh, the cardiac arrest suffered by DeMar Hamlin. So because these teams did not have the equal number of games, they felt the NFL felt like it's not really fair to have a uh, home field advantage when Cincinnati played six, uh, rather 17 games and Buffalo, Kansas City, or rather Kansas City played, I'm sorry, 17 games and Cincinnati and Buffalo playing only 16 games. So therefore, uh, if... Buffalo wins this week and Kansas City wins. That will set up an AFC championship game, which will have to be at a neutral site, a neutral field. Now, that neutral field will be in Atlanta at the Mercedes-Benz Dome. And uh, so what the NFL has done, uh, both clubs now have season ticket members who previously opted in to purchase AFC Championship game tickets in Buffalo or Kansas City, and they now have priority access to purchase tickets at uh, at a preferred rate. So they get a discount rate. This game will be in Atlanta. And uh, so right now, 50,000 tickets have already been sold. And the way they're going to do this, okay, actually now more than 50,000 tickets as we sit here on the air here on this Friday afternoon were purchased by the club's season ticket members in the first 24 hours of the announcement, which took place yesterday. So the ticketing plan enables Bills fans to be seated on their side of the field behind the the Bills bench on that sideline, and then the Chiefs will be seated uh, behind them. So, Marco, this is going to look like a Rose Bowl or like a college bowl game, which I think is kind of cool, but... If you're, you know, Cincinnati, I mean, you you want to spoil this party because remember, if Cincinnati would have beaten Buffalo that night, and I know they were ahead and it was early on in the game, that sort of thing, and we've heard, you know, Cincinnati actually kind of make fun of this situation, like doing coin flip celebration dances in the end zone after touchdowns. They've been pretty vocal about all this. I think that's probably bulletin board material for Buffalo in this case when everybody seemed like, okay, they were playing nice and they, you know, you know, said, hey, we're not going to play this game because we have, you know, DeMar Hamlin who's, you know, laying on the field unconscious here. But now it seems like, all right, people are starting to run their mouths either, uh, you know, vocally or via social media. And we're hearing some feelings uh, start to be uh, spread out here. Well, you can look at it both ways. Cincinnati could be playing with a chip on their shoulder because they didn't get the opportunity for this game to have been played in Cincinnati. Right. So I can understand, you know, their side of the coin. As far as if it is Kansas City and Buffalo, everybody wants that matchup. Everybody remembers the playoff game last year, which resulted in rule change for the playoffs because of that game. Uh, I know that there was talk briefly that Allegiant Stadium was under consideration. As much as I would have loved to have seen that here, I think it's fair that it's not here because I think it would have been a definite advantage to Kansas City if the game was here because they play here, you know, every year against the Raiders. It's a good point. You know, yeah. and it's closer for them to come here than, than for Buffalo. So both of them going to Atlanta, you know, it's, there's no advantage as far as the distance. There's no advantage. You know, it's an NFC uh, stadium where versus an AFC stadium yeah. where somebody might play division games there. So I think it's a good move. It's the best they could do given the situation that we have. But, yes, yeah, Cincinnati, 
you could say, hey, we got a raw deal. We didn't get a chance to decide our fate on the field. All right. Over 50,000 tickets have been sold, and both the Bills and the Chiefs will continue to work with their season ticket members to provide priority access. And, of course, it's going to be subject to availability. It'll be interesting to see if any other tickets will go on sale to the public. But, uh, you know. You know, probably not, but you can get 80,000 fans, you know, in that. And I thought it'd be either in New Orleans or Atlanta, but obviously I think the NFL opted for Atlanta because it's a newer stadium. Mm -hmm. And, again, I think proximity, either one of those would have been fine. And like you said, New Orleans or Atlanta, both NFC sites as well. So no real advantage at all. So that'll be fine. But, yeah, uh, conspiracy theory, I I know you like to say, yeah, yeah, I think the NFL wants that. I think everybody wants that. You know, there's, there's no secret about that. But, you know, these teams are going to have to earn it. Um, you know, maybe Buffalo maybe have to earn a little bit harder uh, because they got to face those Bengals. Where Kansas City, again, you know, they're facing Jacksonville. But Jacksonville's got to feel this is what makes Jacksonville, if you want to try to make a case for their side, they're playing with house money. Okay. They're free rolling, okay? It's like they got the offer in the mail. Hey, come in, $200 uh, free slot play. Uh, Come do it. Because they could have lost and should have lost not once but twice. If they lose two weeks ago to Tennessee, they're not even in the playoffs. They got the miracle fumble, whatever, pick up, scoop, and score. Uh, And then last week... Thankfully, they had to come back uh, with uh, to down twenty-seven nothing. That I didn't get to see any of that come back. I only got to see the misery of the first half. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I hate to even say this, but you know, doing this neutral site game and the way it's going to look on TV, it's going to look like a national championship, you know, college game, or like I said, a Rose Bowl game, or whatever. You know how the NFL is, man. They 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 get these type of things and they hey, this is pretty cool. You know, <laughs> do we want to go to neutral site games for certain? You know, we could see this. Uh, you know, I hope we get, we don't, and you probably won't. But again, who thought that we would be playing? You know, what six weeks out of a regular season overseas? Yeah. The players don't like it. The coaches don't like it. The fan bases don't like it. They're you're taking home games away from these teams and before it used to just be the teams you know like the Tennessee Titans or the Jacksonville Jaguars or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when they weren't drawing it because they couldn't fill their stadium right. the Oakland Raiders you know mm-hmm. and it was like okay we're going to take away a home game anyway we're going to give you you know money the NFL is going to give you money but you take away a home game because you're not selling out anyway I mean back in the days you know you know how many Oakland Raider games or LA Raider games were blacked out because they couldn't fill up mm-hmm. you know either Coliseum there so we're seeing more and more of that because the NFL, it's a cash cow for them. And it's also why you never saw Green Bay give up a home game. Exactly. Or you Pittsburgh. You never saw Pittsburgh right. give up a home game. Correct. Uh, you know, you have to, somebody has to die to, for season tickets yeah. to, to open up for those, yeah. those two particular franchises. Uh, yeah, it'll be fun. You still got to think that Kansas City, they, they just got to feel like they got the short end of the stick. And if they didn't have all of the injuries, I might have been looking at Cincinnati playing with the chip on their shoulder. But with the injuries, I just can't do it. All right. Let's uh, handicap these games, Marco. It starts uh, tomorrow at 1.30. It's Jacksonville and Kansas City. Current line now has the Chiefs up to 9.5. Kansas City's won five in a row. All right. These teams did play back in week eight, and the Chiefs won 27 to 17. They were rolling in this game, and this this score is really isn't indicative of the blowout that it was. Kansas City jumped out 21 nothing just like that. They rolled up 486 yards of offense. They were seven for 10 on third down conversions, and the only reason this game was 27 to 17, Marco, and not 47 to 17, because the Chiefs had three turnovers. Yep. So. How much do we look into that game for this game? How much do we look into Jacksonville, the, all the energy that they spent, you know, down 27 nothing to the Chargers in the playoff game last week? How much do we look at Kansas City being the rested team? Definitely the rested team. And, you know, I talked about the stat with uh, – Andy Reid off of a bye week. Uh, everybody knows how good he is uh, when they do have the bye week. And it's, the actual record is 29-6 and six straight up when he's had more than a week. And it's 22-13 and 13 against the spread. So I said 10 games over 509 games. Um, that's something you can't ignore. But when you look at when they played, and they, they played this game, you know, earlier in the year, Kansas City was coming off 
a string of big games in a row. And the reason I remember that, because you know I'm a situational handicapper, I took Jacksonville in that game because I thought it was a flat spot on the Kansas City schedule. They had played the three previous weeks, Buffalo, the rematch from the playoff game last year. You know all the hoopla with that game. Then they played San Francisco, who unquestionably is the top team in the NFC or second, if you want to argue it. And then they had a Sunday night game against Tennessee. Now they laid and they got escaped with the win, but it was one of those lackluster performances by Jacksonville and or not by Jacksonville, by Kansas City, that I thought Jacksonville would hang around with the number. It looked close at the end, but it didn't didn't quite get there. The three turnovers cut Jacksonville in the game, and they made a game of it late, but I just don't see it this time. Mm-hmm. I think the clock strikes midnight. It's been a nice year for Jacksonville. They've made great strides under Peterson in year one. Um, I think if you're a Jacksonville Jaguar fan, you've finally got something to look forward to going into next season. But what happens if Trevor Lawrence shows up in the first half like he did last week? And how Kansas City does get out to these, you know, these big leads, especially like I mentioned earlier, what they do in the playoffs as well, too. I'm with you. Uh, Jacksonville's a nice story. I like Doug Peterson. Definitely an upgrade from a coaching, you know, standpoint, what they've had in, in the past. I think Trevor Lawrence will turn out to be a good quarterback. But still, Jacksonville, you know, they were usually known for their defense. Their defense is is not that strong. And what, and what Justin Herbert and what the Chargers did, you know, not just in the first half, building the 27 nothing lead, but they continued to move the ball, especially in the third quarter, and even in the early in the fourth quarter. Still, You didn't still feel it was going to end the way it did. It just wasn't this like, oh, no total collapse. It was just very, very slowly, and of course, Brandon Stately with some, you know, bonehead moves, and Joey Boza. And again, who this, I'm going to say that the Chargers probably win this game if it wasn't for the Boza penalty. People go, well, what do you mean? I'll tell you why. Because it's a 10-point game. They're going to kick the extra point to be down three. Right. All right? With about five and a half minutes to go. So Boza's penalty moves the ball from the two to the one. Well, of course, if you're Doug Peterson, you're going to say, well, yeah, we can get one yard. Let's do that. Let's do it. No question. So you get the two-point conversion. Now it changes everything. You're down two. Now a field goal wins. Where before, field goal, the only thing it does is sends the game to overtime, and then who knows what's going to happen there. And then you, that momentum's not rolling. Like, I loved when it was sitting on two because I was – for you. I don't care what yeah. happened. No, you were just, in. You were in. Yeah. 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 End it there. But I'm I'll just take talking about two. from the mentality yeah. standpoint of, of, of who's going to advance in this game last week. The biggest travesty is how in the world did Austin Eckler only get 13 carries? But that's, what, 20, that's what he gets. Seven. That's what they do every week. They're one of the lowest rush teams in all of football. They're 30th, Marco. 30th. You gotta, you've got to run the football in that situation. Uh-huh. And the clock is your friend. At that point, huh? okay, you you don't you know, and then you throw passes and you get it in, you know an incompletion right. that gives the team a, a, another timeout. Young head coaches, man, these young head coaches, you know, they they getting these jobs and they choke. All right, Giants in Philadelphia. That'll be the game tomorrow night at five fifteen. Philly, a seven and a half point choice. Obviously, the Giants are going to get a lot of love here because of what they've shown. They've basically been in playoff mode the last four or five weeks. And uh, they went to Minnesota last week, and, and they took care of business. Uh, I'm going to throw a couple things at you here. So remember last year when Philly uh, was the number seven seed, all right? They, they were a seven seed last year, and they lost, what, 31 to 15 to Tampa Bay. Week 14, Philadelphia is a seven and a half point favorite at the Giants. A seven and a half point choice, all right? And they won 48 to 22. Now they're a seven and a half point choice at home here. You know, I understand why people would want to make a case for the, the Giants. And the reason why I bring up last year, they are one year removed from a number seven seed barely getting into the playoffs and then getting boat raced out in, in, in the opening round. And now all of a sudden they're the number one seed and they lost two of their last three games and didn't look good against New Orleans or the 13-3 to three game and then also the Dallas Cowboys. So I could see why the Giants are, are going to get some action here. And I think a lot of people are banking on, okay, you know, Jalen Hurts, Philly, Jalen's healthy, he's not on the injury report. Okay, he's going to be good and Philly is going to revert back to the team they were five or six weeks ago. Are you buying it? 
I am buying it. I think that the public is dismissing Philadelphia. They think they're a counterfeit number one seed because of what happened at the end of the season, but they didn't have the they didn't have their guy. This team rolls with Jalen Hurts. He you know he's not an MVP for the league, but he is the MVP for this team. And he, well, he makes, was on pace to be the MVP for the league until he got hurt. And still make they, that case. They need him. They. He didn't look good in week 17, and that's what everybody's looking at. They just did enough to get the early lead, and then they coasted. They took their foot off the gas. They wanted all they had to do was win. They were that line closed that day as high as 17. You know, it was ridiculous what the number you know closed at because the other team had nothing to play for. So uh, this is a spot where I think Philly gets gets the win and gets a comfortable win. The Giants. Great story on the year, but again, I can't belabor the point. They are not going against the Minnesota Viking defense this year, this week. And Daniel Jones was able to move the ball all over the field. Will that give him confidence coming into this game? Sure it will. But as soon as you start making a couple throws and guys aren't wide open like they were in Minnesota, uh, and if he makes a mistake, it could unravel on him. I've never been a big Daniel Jones fan. You know, maybe I'm wrong, but I I thought it was a reach when they drafted him, where they drafted him, and he hasn't done anything so far to do it. Now, when Barkley's running the football well, that's definitely going to make him a better quarterback. We talk about yeah. that all the time. I don't know that, the, you know, are they going to have that success this week against Philadelphia, and what if Philadelphia does get out to a quick lead? It's Are they going to be able to yeah. come back against this defense? I don't think so. It could be 48-22 like it was you know earlier in the year, like I said, going back into week 14. Two teams that know each other very, very well, and Daniel Jones, to be successful, is going to have to you know run. He took off 16 times last week against the Vikings, but you're right, it's the Vikings – uh, here's the thing about the Giants. Uh, I think this needs to be said as well, too. You know, we said that the Minnesota Vikings were the most overrated team because they won the most or played in the most one-score games. Mm-hmm. What team is right behind the Minnesota Vikings? The New York Giants. Giants. All right? And their point differential is like one point. Mm-hmm. So that tells you right there, this Giants team is not that good of a football team. But that's the perfect example of how you can spin your narrative to what you want. Right. Because everybody was down on Minnesota because Minnesota was favored in all of those games, in those you know, most of those one-score games, and escaped. Yeah. The Giants were dogs. They weren't expected to win games. And the fact that they were in all of them, it, that's a good thing, you know. And generally, I always say, you know, if you win the close games, that gives you an advantage if when the game really counts that you're playing in a in a tight game because you've done so many of them, you know, gone. I love it when we talk about it, like the March Madness, those teams that play the conference tournaments three three days in a row, and they have that tight one. If the next game's tight, they got a big leg up on their right. opponent that had been rolling through everybody. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, again, Philly, seven and a half point. They were not seeing this line really move up at all. Good two-way action, you know, here, especially here at the Westgate. All right, so Sunday, first game is at 12 noon. It's Cincinnati and Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo is a five and a half point uh, choice in this thing. We've seen Buffalo money come in, and the big narrative here is the injuries, the offensive line, Jonah Williams, okay, dislocated kneecap, out, uh, right tackle, um, uh, Liel uh, Collins, ACL out. Right guard, Alex Kappa, ankle. So you're missing three starters on your offensive line. This is why this line is moving up. And I think a lot of people kind of feel the way I do, Marco, that, hey, Josh Allen is not going to have the type of game like he had last week. They're not going to sleepwalk this week. Uh, this is going to be a very intense game. Crowd's going to be going crazy. But I think Buffalo gives their best effort here. And again, I, I, I like Buffalo in in this in this game here, but I can see why people believe in Joe Burrow and Cincinnati. Line five and a half. The line is five and a half and could hit six come Saturday when the public gets involved. Here's the problem for Cincinnati in a nutshell: if Buffalo jumps out fourteen nothing, and then they got to go strictly pass, which they are more pass than run anyways, but whenever it's a different story when you're down two scores and we know you're passing, 
Buffalo's going to be able to pin their ears, and you've got an inexperienced offensive line. It's going to make it even worse for Joe Burrow. They can't fall behind in this game. This is one where you might want to look at in-game live wagering because this could unravel for them. If they are able to score early, keep it a one-possession game, then they could be in it the whole way because of what Buffalo has shown all year. But if I'm McDermott, man, I'm coming out. I'm not deferring to the second half. Give me the football to start the game. Let me get a score on the board, and then let's just put the pressure on that offensive line. I agree, and most teams don't do that, but that makes perfect sense in in this situation. Uh, We saw last week that all of the favorites jumped out to early leads. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was... You know, it was it was it was ridiculous. Uh, that, that momentum, especially at home, uh, can really carry you in this situation. So uh, this is going to be an exciting game. Looking forward to it. Uh, and then the game following that on Sunday, three uh, thirty. It's Dallas and San Francisco. We've talked about the the line only being four, and it's staying pretty steadfast at four. These are the San Francisco 49ers. They've won 11 games in a row. Uh, Their defense has been outstanding, only giving up 16 points per contest. Remember, this is a rematch of a game that we saw last year where San Francisco won 23-17, but this game was not a 23-17 game, Marco. San Francisco jumped out to a 13-0 lead. They led 23-7. Dallas made a little bit of a comeback. But, uh, you know, again, we talk about why is this number four? My belief is the only reason this is this number is this low is because people are not believing in Brock Purdy. Okay, he's still a rookie. He's still a seventh round pick. All right, he's going to be facing a very tough defense, probably the toughest defense he's faced all year. And we saw what Dallas did to Tampa Bay, or the public saw what Dallas did to Tampa Bay, where they just you know they jumped on him you know right from the start here, and they're thinking, wow, okay, maybe this uh, you know this Dallas team is for real here, but. I do not see this game as San Francisco being a four-point favorite. I think there's plenty of value here in San Francisco. I know that's kind of the, you know, the square way to look at it here. But hey, I'm. Just, you want to tell me that that San Francisco is not four points better than the Dallas Cowboys, a team that has won 11 in a row? Talked about the stats before about what how they just physically beat teams down. I mean, every time San Francisco has played someone in the last 12 games, that team has got drilled the week after. So, again, Mike McCarthy, Kyle Shanahan, to me it's San Francisco. On paper, I can't, I can't argue anything with you. Um, the situation is being, I know Dak, everybody has their, you know, their issues with Dak, and they're just There's good Dak and bad Dak. Yeah. What are we going to say? Okay. Yeah. If we see good Dak. Like we saw last week. Yeah. And Purdy has to match points. That's where my concern is. He has not had to do that this year, briefly in the Seattle game last week, briefly. But then they took control of the game. Um, the Raider game is the only game that they really came from a deficit, but we have saw all the problems the Raiders have had protecting leads this year. It's not a good defense to begin with. Dallas is a good defense. And you mentioned last year, we always say, and I'm the, I preach it all the time, revenge is the most overused word in sports betting. But there are certain situations that I think I, I give it more credence. And if you're the team that ended somebody's season, you remember that game. And now Dallas has the opportunity to return that favor from last year. They went to Dallas and beat Dallas. Now San Francisco, they're going to San Francisco to do it. Wouldn't that be kind of poetic justice for the Cowboys? How much do you put into the fact that that was a Monday night game, and there's a lot of talk about that. You're playing a Monday night game on the East Coast. Uh, obviously, it's a short week anyway for the Dallas Cowboys, even though they have the, the last game on Sunday, but it is a 3.30 you know, uh, start. You put much credence into that Dallas is at a disadvantage for this game. They're definitely at a disadvantage for the game. I didn't like the Monday night game. Uh, I know why the NFL did it, and the sports books here in Vegas. Back to the cash thinking, cow thing they, again. <laughs> they, they loved it as well, having you know all that action. But my bigger concern with Dallas in this situation, the short week, and this is something that nobody really is talking about, they're playing their third road game in a row in fourth in five weeks. Okay? 
that's not something you generally see, you know, in the playoffs. And that's why back in the day when we had the old format of the playoffs, why you never saw a wild card team make that run to the, you know, to the Super Bowl because it's just so hard to keep winning those games on the road into advance. This is going to be a fun game uh, for me. I'm going to go with the total in this game. I have not locked in a play yet. I'm waiting to see if there is money come in on San Francisco game day and drive this up to where I think the line should be, five or five and a half. I could end up finding myself on the Cowboys come Sunday. It's just because there hasn't been that resistance. I I have not heard anybody that doesn't think San Francisco is the best team in the NFL right now. Yeah. And yet, I don't see movement on this game on a line that I think is low. It's because of the Brock Purdy factor and the Dallas Cowboys defense. They were stellar, and they have been stellar for the most part of this year. Kind of throughout the, the Washington Commanders game. But again, I think that's in Dallas is a very public team, as we as we mentioned uh, last hour with John Murray here at the Westgate. I think those factors uh, lie into it. But yeah, I'm with you. I think this line probably I was expecting like a five and a half, maybe even a six to come out. But uh, we'll see where this game goes. I think it only goes up though, like like John said. I'm thinking as as it progresses, because I think there's a lot of people, and like John said, there's nothing but niner money out there. There's got to be some money somewhere on Dallas that's keeping it, holding it for. Yeah. Okay? And and this is the thing that people don't understand. They could have 50 guys walk up to the window and bet $100. Okay? So you got a ticket count of 50, and you got one sharp that bets Dallas for 5,000. The books are balanced. Yeah. Okay? But the ticket count's way off. Right. Right. So there's some money out there. You want on move, Dallas. I mean, if that I can imagine that you want to move that line down from four to three and a half, or you know, even have a conversation about three with a team that's won eleven in a row, that's playing at home, that has virtually no weakness. Again, the only way that San Francisco loses this game is if Brock Purdy self-destructs. That's that's the way I see it. You know. All right, we come back. It'll be time for our best bets. We'll give you our three best plays for the divisional round. Trevor Match will be joining us, ESPN's college football analyst. Of course, Trevor, 12 years in the NFL himself. So we've got that happening here, and we are live at the Westgate of Las Vegas, the world-famous Superbook here on a fantastic Football Friday. I got something for you. Here's the man, the myth. The oracle has spoken. The mouth. You hear me talking? T.C. Martin. Live here at the Superbook at the Westgate Las Vegas on this Football Friday. Oh, yeah, not just any Football Friday because we are counting down to the divisional games. Two games here on Saturday and two on Sunday. Remember, the first game kicks off at 1.30, Jacksonville, Kansas City, and then the Giants and the Eagles at 5.15. And then Sunday, 12 noon straight up, Cincinnati and Buffalo, 3.30, Dallas and San Francisco. Looking forward to to all of it. All right. Best bets time where we try to diagnose prognosis. Are you ready, Marco D'Angelo, to unveil it? I'm, I'm ready. I'm chasing, I'm chasing Trevor and Scott. You it's, are. It's you. a three-horse race. There it is. <laughs> I, where are you at? Where am I? I'm, at, I'm, I'm right behind you just, just, just waiting in the buggy right yeah. there, just, just, just rolling along. I don't there. think there's enough lengths left. Yeah, in thank the you stretch. very much. Wow. There it is. <laughs> well, the, the defending back-to-back champ will relinquish yeah. you know, to you guys this year. That's fine. All right. Best bets. Bring it on. It's Football Friday and time for the weekend's action. Here's the best bets. All right, this will be the final week that we give you three best bet plays because we only got four games. So uh, starting next week, we get to the AFC and NFC Championship. We'll give you one best bet. And then, of course, same will go for the Super Bowl. But a very fun, exciting year. Our handicappers have been fantastic. Uh, Marco, Trevor, Scott Spritzer, even Gilby the intern be joining us. And then our special guest handicappers uh, throughout the year as well, too. But we kick it off with our man, Trevor Maddich. Trev, what's going on, brother? Mr. TC, I'm doing good. How you doing? We're doing great, brother. All right, here we go, man. It's time to rock and roll. Who do you got, Trevor Maddich? Your three best for the divisional round. All right, let's start with New York getting seven and a half points at the Eagles. And... The Eagles are better than the Giants all the way through. 
top to bottom, except for running back. I think Saquon Barkley for the Giants has the edge at that position. And depending on the health of Jalen Hurts, the Eagles quarterback, you might be able to say that Daniel Jones for the Giants is going to be able to perform better. We'll see how that turns out. But even so, I think seven and a half points is an awful lot, especially given this is a uh, a division game. And this is a game that, that historically, not always, but historically is very tight. And it, it comes down to two things to me. One is the health of that throwing shoulder of Jalen Hurts. He missed two games, came back in against the Giants in the last game of the regular season, and had a, a quarterback rating of about 25. I mean, it was just terrible. Uh, but he was just easing back into it. The question will be, how much will they let him run? How much will they risk further injury to that shoulder? Because if he doesn't run, it changes their rushing attack. And the Giants' defense has gotten a lot better. The other matchup here is, is the Giants' running game against the Eagles' run defense. The Eagles' pass defense is phenomenal. But teams that can run have run well against the Eagles over the last month or so. And the Giants have gotten better and better running, especially as they've learned how to use Daniel Jones in the running game. So I think the Giants keep it within seven and a half. Then we got Cincinnati, <laughs> excuse me, getting five and a half at Buffalo. And I'm taking the, the Bengals and the points on this one. Uh, and if the Bills play like they can play, they'll cover the spread. But I just don't trust them anymore. The Bills strike me as maybe the most mentally soft NFL team that I can remember in a lot of years. They constantly play down to the level of their opponent. Well, they know this, this is not an opponent to play down to. But if, if it's not a habit for you to play the very best at all times, then it's not a habit. And the Bills have shown that they are vulnerable in a lot of places, especially with turnovers. They, they are one of the worst in the league at giveaways on offense. And their quarterback, Josh Allen, is terrible at giving the ball away in terms of a combination of interception and fumbles. He had a strip sack, uh, scoop and score uh, last week for the Dolphins. It's one of the reasons the Dolphins came within three points of those guys when, when the Bills were a two-touchdown favorite. So I just don't trust the Bills to play up to their full capability. Also, even with the offensive line injuries for the Bengals, you still have a quarterback in Joe Burrow that's used to playing behind a leaky offensive line. Last year, the offensive line was at least as bad as it's going to be in Buffalo with the injuries and guys moving around. And he got him to the Super Bowl. And the reason is that he was able to read the defense and get the ball out quickly. I think he'll do that again in this game, and I think they'll keep it within that five and a half. And then we have San Francisco laying four at home against the Cowboys. And I like the 49ers in this one. This, to me, comes down to two key matchups, call it two and a half. First, the Cowboys' running defense against the 49ers' rushing attack. Since Brock Purdy took over at quarterback, over the last six games, even though Purdy doesn't run the ball, he's a pocket passer, the 49ers have run for over 1,000 yards in those six games, about 175 yards per game because of the way Purdy has opened things up with the way he's been passing. Dallas's defense is, is very good against the pass, especially with the pass rush. But teams that can run have run on the Cowboys. And the Cowboys' secondary, if it's vulnerable, it's vulnerable in deep passes. And when you've got to come up to stop the run, and when you've got the tools that the 49ers have in play action, uh, I think that that running game for the 49ers against the run defense of the Cowboys favors the 49ers. And then I think when you look at quarterback, Dak Prescott had the game of his career last week against Tampa Bay. And give him credit, because that Tampa Bay defense was as healthy as it's been all year, and Dak was phenomenal. But I don't trust him. And he's going against a defense that's far more physical, far more capable in the 49ers defense. Plus, his offensive line has got injuries, and they're moving people around against one of the best pass rushers in the league. You combine that with Brock Purdy, okay, seventh-round draft choice, I get it. Playing well, yeah, okay. But what he does especially well is not turn the ball over. Whereas Dak, over the last six to eight weeks, has been a turnover machine. He didn't have any against the Buccaneers. But again, I don't trust him. I think the physicality of the 49ers allows them to cover that four. All right, there's Trevor Madich's three. Marco D'Angelo, what you got? 
Well, Trevor, one of us is going to open up some ground this week because we're we're bucking on a couple. You're you're had a great season, and I've got to give you your respect. But I'm going against you on the Giants game. I'm taking Philadelphia. I think Philadelphia, as I said, if there was ever a team that needed to buy week, it was Philadelphia. This is a team that a lot of people have written off down the stretch because of the last couple games. They weren't healthy. Um, they'll be as healthy as they can be with the week off. I like them. Their defense has some shortcomings, but when you compare their defense to Minnesota's defense, there isn't even a comparison. Daniel Jones had everything too easy last week. It's going to be tough this week. In Philadelphia, we talk about, you know, they've had some problems stopping the run. How about the Giants? Twelve times this year, the Giants have allowed 125 or more yards on the ground. I think Philadelphia gets the job done and moves on to the second round. I'm laying a seven and a half with Philadelphia for game number one. Game number two, um, Buffalo against Cincinnati. I just can't. You know how important those offensive linemen are, Trevor. Three of them on the line, the cluster injuries. I think it's too much to overcome. Buffalo had a major, major scare last week. Uh, They felt they just had to show up and they were going to win against Miami. I love taking teams that are good teams and have that scare. And you are 100% correct on the turnover problem with Buffalo. Nine turnovers in the last three games. If they keep that clean, they win. And if you think about it, they gave away nine possessions over the last three weeks. They still scored 35 or more points in those games. How many points do they score if they don't turn it over? I don't think Cincinnati's going to be able to stop them. And uh, I'm taking them for play number two. And play number three, the Undertaker didn't come with an under this week. What's going on? (laughs) So that means you're going to take over? I'm going to take over. Uh No, no, I'm not taking over. Oh, you're taking the Undertaker. I'm taking his position as the Undertaker. You're the new Undertaker. Okay. The Undertaker. I'm going under Dallas, San Francisco. And the whole reason being... This will be the best defense that Brock Purdy has faced. And he's answered every test that he's had so far. But this is going to be a big one. This is the biggest stage, biggest game he's played in. In Dallas, you know, Dallas looked good last week. There's no question about it. And I was happy with that result. But i got to be realistic. How much of that was... Tampa Bay looking bad Uh, but what it does do is give Dallas confidence going into this week Uh, they won't find it as easy moving the football this week as it was last week I think both teams are going to struggle I think we're going to finally get an old-fashioned game where we're looking at a score like 24 to 20 or 23 20 one of those type of games I'm going under the total and I won't enjoy watching it because I hate watching unders (laughs) That's true. All right. Uh, Sounds like not one but two food bets there for Marco and Trevor. I'm just trying to catch the man. He's he's been out on the lead, loose on the lead all year. You know, we're (laughs) we're turning for home. You know what though? One week, two week, one month. Uh uh. It's a lifetime. I tell you what, Marco. If I'm anywhere near you, I'm feeling pretty good because lifetime, you rock. All right, guys, here we go. I'm going to jump in on the Kansas City Chiefs against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I know it's eight and a half uh, for us, and then it's climbing up to nine, nine and a half now. Could be to ten by kickoff come tomorrow. But uh, Jacksonville expended a lot of energy in that comeback last week as they were down 27 nothing to the Chargers. Uh, and they were at home. Let's remember that, too. But I still can't get out of my head those four just horrendous passes for interceptions by Trevor Lawrence. Kansas City's rested and ready. Kansas City hasn't been good against the spread as a home favorite during the regular season, especially during this season. But this is playoff time, guys. And let me tell you what the Kansas City Chiefs do at home in the playoffs, especially when they are a number one or two seed like they have been for the last three seasons. Last year, hate to bring it up but Marco's team they faced him Kansas City beat down Pittsburgh 42 to 21 in this exact same game last year easy cover for the Chiefs yes 
The Chiefs have won and covered five of seven of these type of situations, home games in the playoffs, and usually have rolled to victory in during the past three seasons. I think Jacksonville's party is over. I think we will see Patrick Mahomes and, and Andy Reid put the pedal to the metal in this game. Remember, when they faced off earlier this year, it was 21 nothing before you could blink of an eye that the Kansas City Chiefs jumped all over the Jacksonville Jaguars, ended up being 27-17. Okay, still good enough there for a cover, but that thing could have been uh, an easy easy blowout, but if it wasn't for the Chiefs turning the ball over three times in that game. I don't think that's going to happen this time around. Remember, the Chiefs were 7 for 10 on third down conversions, 486 yards in that game. It was going back into week number 8, but still, I think Jacksonville party, it's over. It's all about the Chiefs. Then, I am going to play with the Buffalo Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals. Trevor, I, I hear what you're saying about being mentally soft like that. But I think here it is for me, and Marco mentioned it too, the difference in this game is the offensive line. Cincinnati missing three starters. And Cincinnati did not play well at home last week against Baltimore. I mean, they you can make the argument they should have lost that game. They needed a mistake. Okay, by Tyler, uh, by uh, uh, Tyler Huntley resulted in that 98-yard touchdown return off the fumble. And that was it. There was no more scoring after that. They have got nothing out of Joe Mixon, nothing out of the running game in the last two games, and for the better part, really, of the second half of the season. Buffalo got its scare last week. Buffalo has won eight in a row. Let's remember that. They are 29-5 and in the last 34 games. Uh, they do not have subpar performances in back-to-back games. You go back, you check it out. Buffalo is going to be ready to roll. They're going to be ready to play. I will take the Bills thinking that there's some value here, only lane five or five and a half or whatever you can get. And then, yes, I'm going with those San Francisco 49ers, the hottest team in football. There's not going to be any letdown. They never have a letdown. And you're only going to lay four points in this game. I will take my chances of only laying four. And the reason why it's only four, we've talked about it. Because people remember the last thing they saw. They saw Dallas beat down a really mediocre, a bad offensive Tampa Bay Buccaneer team. And San Francisco, They don't. You know, people are not still buying into Brock Purdy. Hey, I'll say this. The shoe could fall off the other foot for Brock Purdy. Okay, it could happen, but it hasn't happened yet. And if he continues to be the quality game manager and not turn it over, then San Francisco is going to win this game. The only way San Francisco loses this game is if Brock Purdy implodes. That's it. Remember, the Niners have won 11 in a row. Rolled over Seattle last week. Rolled over Dallas last year in this very same round. Dallas had the perfect opponent last week in Tampa Bay. Don't get fooled by this. They've been wildly inconsistent for a better part of the year, especially Especially on offense, all right. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott—he's a non-factor, all right. It's all about you know Pollard has to run the ball for them to be effective. And Dak Prescott—six of the last seven games he's thrown picks. Yeah, perfect opponent for Dak last week against Tampa Bay. Not this beast of a defense the 49ers have, all right. And also, guys, let's remember this: the the Dallas Cowboys have been the benefactors of a very weak schedule. They beat five teams with winning records all year. That's it. Five teams with winning records. They've been beating a lot of garbage, right? And three of those wins came against the New York Giants and the Detroit Lions. I will take San Francisco for Christian McCaffrey. Take San Francisco for Debo Samuel. Take Christ, uh, take the Niners for Brandon Ayuk. And advantage head coaching, you know, uh, with the Niners, uh, with Kyle Shanahan over Mike McCarthy. And Trevor, I think that the San Francisco 49ers are the most mentally strong team in the NFL, that's why I'm going with them. There we go. Those are the uh, best nuts. Uh, wow. Yeah, I think that works. San Francisco, you, you said it. Beast of a defense, man. They are, they are beasts on that side of the ball. So, Trevor, let me ask you this, because obviously the big talking point in the Buffalo-Cincinnati game is that offensive line. You know the O-line better than anybody. You've been in the trenches, and then I know that you know when, when you, you do your games for ESPN, you're scouting everything. I mean, you're looking at the O-line, the protection, everything there. How significant is this? Is this being overblown a little bit? But with the Cincinnati Bengals missing three starters, and especially losing a, a key guy again last week, as most recent in last week's game against Baltimore, how big a deal is this? It's a very big deal. It's a very big deal because Buffalo's got a strong front seven, especially at linebacker. I mean, they can do a lot of things at linebacker because they're so versatile, so fast, so disruptive. And even though Von Miller, their best pass rusher, is out, 
Greg Rousseau is still a very good pass rusher coming off the edge. And so you've got you know, a, a, a dangerous front seven for Buffalo. And it's not, it's not just a matter of talent when your offensive line has got a bunch of new pieces plugged in. Talent's part of it. But another part of it, and maybe a bigger part of it, is continuity of playing together because offensive lines need to be um, on the same page with each other. And they need to just feel stuff because the defense doesn't just stand in front of you. They move. And if you've got, for example, right guard, right tackle that have played together for four years, then when you've got twists and stunts and all kinds of things, each guy knows what the other's going to do. Each guy knows what the other needs. Now, all of a sudden, with three new starters in there, you lose that continuity and you lose that choreography. That's a big deal. That's, that's why I'm thinking that, you know, Burrow is going to have to tap into last year's Joe Burrow and get that ball out. And the thing about the secondary of Buffalo is that they're, they're vulnerable. They're vulnerable. And so, you know, it's, it's going to be an interesting matchup. I think one of two things is going to happen. I think either Cincinnati is going to win outright because Burrow is able to overcome the, the O line and hit his targets early or, or he's going to get swarmed because that O line just won't be able to get stuff done. What makes it worse too is being on the road. They're not going to be able to hear the snap count. So, you know, this is my, my pick is fraught with peril. Okay. All right, brother. We appreciate uh, the time as always. Uh, good luck to you. And again, go to the uh, website for the best bets. You can get Trevor's, uh, Scott Spicer, Marco D'Angelo, myself, Gilby the intern, all up there on the website. My man, enjoy your weekend. You don't have to, to, to work. Uh, you don't have to do anything. You can just kick back, eat your popcorn, the barbecue, whatever you're going to do there at the, uh, at the Maddich Mansion there and enjoy your NFL. You know, I can't remember the last time I watched a college or NFL game and relaxed and enjoyed it. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm game planning with them. I'm saying, oh, man, you, you took the wrong step. Oh, right. no, you, you got to throw over the top. You know, it's like I actually relax when the game's over. So I'll, I'll start relaxing then. And, and I know you've got your headset there right there. you got headsets to all of these guys, all these NFL teams, everybody. Heck, I know you've called Nick Saban before on the side. Nick, what are you doing? Are you kidding me? I mean – there you go. But it's kind of hard to qu- uh, question Nick Saban. But, uh, yeah, but, but I don't call him Nick when I do that, though. I call him something much more harsh to get his attention. There you go. <laughs> All right, my friend. Appreciate it. We'll talk with you next week. Thanks, guys. There he is, Trevor Maddich. All right. Uh, best bets up on the website. Everything else up on the website as well, too. Uh, if you miss any part of any of these shows, go to the website at tcmartinshow.com. Uh, check out our, our breakdown for the NFL playoffs up on the homepage. Our interview with Steve Tasker is up there, uh, former Buffalo Bill. We actually, uh, you know, had a great long career on the television side with CBS, but now uh, working on the radio side for the Buffalo Bills. All right, Marco, you got to pick one. What's your best bet of the weekend? Buffalo. Buffalo. Mm-hmm. I'm shuffling off the Buffalo. I'm with you. I think so. I think that's, that's probably uh, number one for me as well, too. All right. Marco D'Angelo, wagertalk.com. Go to that website. Check out Marco's plays and, and the great crew over at Wager Talk. And we appreciate Marco being with us every Monday and Friday. All right, brother. Enjoy your weekend. Lots of food. Lots of food picks. And lots of football. Try to stay sane. I'll try not to be down 27 nothing. Right. <laughs> and come back and win. Yeah, yeah. All right. And we'll be, we'll be eating some food together here this week, too. Looking forward to that. All right. For John Murray, Jay Cornegay, our good friends here at the Westgate, Numchuck back in the studio. For Marco D'Angelo and Trevor Maddich, T.C. Martin saying so long. Again, all your needs. Go to the website, tcmartinshow.com, and check it all out. We'll be back to recap everything Monday afternoon at 2.